to be alive, thankful to be sons and daughters of the King of God, thankful that we're in the kingdom of God, living and enjoying this wonderful, abundant life that our Father has given us to enjoy. I pray that you're doing well this evening. I pray that you're uh, living la vida loca, <laughs> enjoying the blessed life that God has given us to enjoy, all the great blessings and benefits and goodnesses that he's made available, his kindnesses. The Bible says his mercies, they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And God has been faithful to us. He continues to show himself strong on our behalf. And uh, we are blessed to be alive. We enjoyed such a wonderful evening last night in the first session of this 2020 healing school. And uh, I pray that you are blessed. I had uh, calls and contacts this morning. People let me know that they enjoyed it. even had the Lord minister to them during that time. And uh, it's, it's really a blessing to know that through technology, we're able to reach people far beyond the four walls of this church. Praise God. We're beaming to you live from St. Petersburg, Florida, where God lives, where the Holy Ghost hangs out all the time. But we get to enjoy beautiful sunshine most days of the year. It gets hot sometimes, but, you know, we enjoy it. And God lives here, and God really likes to hang out in this particular church. I just believe we're God's favorite church in this whole region. Now I'm just, you know, I'm a little, you know, partial to that. Uh, I could be wrong, but, but not, not by, by much. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But we're just glad, and I pray that those of you who are watching from home or watching from your hotel or watching from you're sitting in your car in a park somewhere, wherever you are, you're tuned in, and I want you to do just like we did last night, is you get your Bible out, get your pen or your pencil, get your paper out, paper out take copious notes. What's copious mean, Pastor? It means abundant, abundant, plentiful notes. Take a lot of notes. Uh, there are things that God will say to you that I didn't say out of my mouth, but he, you hear God yourself. And so I encourage you just just dig into the word of God. Uh, hopefully you've already eaten. If you're at home, so you're not sitting there smelling the potatoes and the chicken and the yams and all that kind of stuff and being distracted, praise God. But you can really tune in, lock in, and um, hear the word of God that he wants to give to you tonight. Let's open in a word of prayer. Lord, tonight we're so thankful that you've given us this wonderful privilege and opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for your love and your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your peace toward us. Thank you for showing us your favor each and every day. Thank you that we are the blessed of the Lord. Hallelujah. And that God, you are opening our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see and to hear and to receive things that we have not known and things that we have known. You are enlightening us even more concerning those things. Thank you, Father, for illuminating your word to us. Because, God, we want to be part of this end-time army that you're raising up, this exceeding great army that you'll use to minister to people all over the world. We're in a time, a dire time in our world. But, Father, no matter how dire, no matter how dark the times are, you said your light will shine upon us, your light will arise upon us, your glory will arise upon us, Father. And, Lord, we thank you that we can be glory carriers in this earth. So, Lord, have your way tonight. Speak to us. Open our understanding tonight. Open our hearts so we can receive what you have for us to receive tonight. We give you all the praise and all the glory 
and all the honor. It's in Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen, amen. and amen. All right, let's get right into it. We just want to go through a couple things from last night, a few things. We talked about how we are being given in this church. I've been teaching on this for the last couple of weeks. Uh, major responsibility in the earth. You know, large money, large work, large territory, but major responsibility, which means that God is going to, uh, he's holding us responsible to get some things done. Uh, I don't have time to go to it tonight, but if you were, were to peruse the entire uh, 82nd Psalm, you know Psalm 82 where God said, uh, I said you are God's, and he talks about how uh, he holds the sons of God responsible for things that go on on the earth. And so you and I don't get off scot-free once we get born again and uh, we're just going to cruise our way to heaven. No, we have a responsibility here. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, he said, do business till I come. Well, what business? Well, you can do your business. You can do hair and you can do nails and you can do, you know, car, car detail and all that kind of good stuff. But the major business he's talking about is doing the kingdom business, the work of the kingdom. And so what we're teaching on uh, last night, tonight, uh, is part of, a major part of kingdom business. And it's healing people. Amen? So 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1 tells us that we are workers together with God. We are workers together with God. Not workers for God, workers together with God. So God has brought us into co-management. Amen? He's upper management. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I thought about something my, when I was a, a little boy. Uh, my father uh, owned the barbershops around St. Petersburg. You know, everybody in St. Petersburg knew, if you were, were African-American persuasion, you knew about Anderson's barbershops. And so my father had in his shops uh, a sign, and it came back to me t uh, last night, flooded my mind. And this sign said this. It said, this business belongs to God. He is my partner. I am his steward. It just came right back to me. I saw that. He posted that. This business belongs to God. He is my partner. And I thought, my dad knew something back then. He said, he's my partner. See, partners, when we're, when we're working together with him, we are partners with God. And so this major responsibility that God has given us in the earth is as stewards to get his will done in the earth. Now, we're God's hands and we're God's feet in the earth. God's not coming down here and doing anything himself, right? We're his hands, we're his feet. We are the body of Christ. Everybody say, we are the body of Christ. That means we are the body of his anointed one and his anointing. So we are the body of the anointing. You catch that? We are the body of the anointed one and his anointing. Which means you and I have been endowed with power. The anointing is a power. We talked about last night an energy. Not like New Age stuff, not like this humanist stuff. I'm talking about an energy. The Holy Ghost power, the anointing, is an energy that God gives us to get the work of the kingdom done. The Bible says in Acts 10.38 that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, right? With the Holy Ghost and with power. He anointed him with power. And he went about doing good. That's philanthropic work. That's financial and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So God is with us, and God was with him. God has anointed us. God has anointed him. So we go about doing good, philanthropic work, and healing all those who are what? Oppressed 
by the devil. When people are sick, when they're infirmed, right now the devil's oppressing a lot of people around this earth. We're in coronavirus season. And he's oppressing people. Amen. Have people hospital bound and all that kind of stuff. And he's oppressing. It's a work of the enemy. It's not, not just some little thing. No, it's a work of the enemy. But you and I have the power in us to heal. We have the anointing. We are the body of the anointing. You got it? The, that's what we got to understand about the church. See, we, what happened, the church, because we didn't walk in that anointing, we fell into, into a non-essential category. So when it came time to shut things down around the world, they shut the church down right along with the movie uh, houses or theaters, y'all call them, because they, were, they, they didn't see us as essential. But if we walk in our anointing, then they would know we are absolutely essential. If anybody on this planet is essential, the body of Christ is essential because the body of Christ is the anointing. You got it? So we have the same anointing as Jesus. Did y'all hear that? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, 1 John 2, verse 27 tells us that the anointing that you receive from him, from God, abides in you, and the same anointing, I'm paraphrasing, teaches you concerning all things and is true. So notice it says here, the anointing which you have received. Now remember we read in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus. So Jesus came to this earth, but he left, he, he, he didn't walk here and live here and operate here as God. He walked, lived, and operated as a man. You come back on Sunday, I'm going to teach you more on that. As a man, as a man who needed a supernatural energy to come on him, power, anointing. So God anointed him. Well, guess what? The Bible says the anointing that you have received from him abides in you. Glory to God. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the what? Come on, class. As the what? As the what? Say it loud. The same anointing. If I'm not mistaken, the King James might say, use the word self-same. That's how I grew up hearing it, the self-same anointing. Self-same. Self-same meaning identical. It's the identical anointing that God put on Jesus. That anointing is on you. That same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true. So everybody say, I have a true anointing. Say it again, I have a true anointing. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, let's go through a quick review tonight from last night. Hope you were tuned in last night. And uh, if you're tuning in tonight, make sure we know that you're tuned in. If you go on a little chat on YouTube or Facebook, whatever you're watching us through, I think even Roku has a way to chat. If you're watching us actually on our website, let us know that you're watching tonight. Now, last night, let's just go over this. I told you, number one, that God gave us dominion over the human body. God gave us dominion over the human body. All right? 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. I, my spirit, discipline my body and bring it into subjection. So what we taught was the fact that you must let your truth or your faith-filled spirit rule, not your symptom-filled body. Your body is going to always present symptoms. But your faith, your truth and faith-filled spirit is supposed to run the show. And bring your body into subjection. 
Did you notice that? Bring your, make, you make your body subject to your spirit. Your spirit is healthy. Your spirit is whole. Your spirit is perfect. And he said you can bring your body into subjection. Now, I hope you're catching this at home. You bring your body into subjection. Number two, I showed you last night, everyone believes in healing. Everyone. I don't care what your mama says and your daughter says and your cousin and your sister on your, on your dad's side says. I'm talking about everybody believes in healing. I told you, somebody say that, no, I don't believe in all that healing stuff. Just ask them, have they, have they ever cut themselves? And they'll say, yeah, I did. Well, what happened? Well, it healed right up. Yeah, because, so that means you do believe in healing. But what they, they have experienced is natural healing and not supernatural healing. All right? So we looked at James 5. And it says in there in verse 14 and 15 about, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for elders of the church and let them do what? Pray over him. Come on. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. All right. Then verse 15. And the prayer of faith will do what? Save the sick. Save the sick. And the Lord will do what? And if he's committed sins, what will happen? All right. So healing will come. Okay. So we concluded just based on this verse here that Saving the sick and raising people up is the will of God because it says uh, the Lord will raise them up. Yeah. The prayer of faith will save the sick. So if, it's, if you see the word will, it's identifying what God's will is. You can't make God do anything outside of his will. I don't care how cute you are. I don't care how, how tall you are, how much money you may give. You can't make God do anything outside of his will. And God only has one will. It's good. It's acceptable, and it's perfect. He doesn't have three categories of will. He has one will. His will is good, acceptable, and perfect. And his good, acceptable, perfect will is for you and I to be, you and me to be healthy and whole and strong all the time. Y'all got it? So we said it is God's will to heal everyone. It is God's will to heal how many? Everyone. So I told you never under any circumstances question God's will to heal. Okay? We looked at Exodus 15, verse 26 last night, where God says, for I'm the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who Rapha you. I'm Jehovah Rapha, right? Now, we looked at that word heal. I just want to show you that one more time because this is, this is healing school, right? This is Rapha school. <laughs> so that word Rapha, heal, means to mend by stitching. Figuratively, to cure. Say that out loud, cure. cure. To cure, which means also to cause to heal. Physician, to repair thoroughly. Thoroughly. That, that's you don't leave anything left uh, out by itself, right? And then it says to make whole, whole, complete. Jesus, when he encountered or was met by that woman with issue of blood, she came and wanted to be made well after she received her, her healing. He then ministered to her and said, daughter, your faith has made you whole, whole. Everything that was wrong is now made right. Got it? We looked at Psalm 102, verse 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all his benefits. Verse 3, it says, who forgives all your and heals all your how many? All. All your diseases. So it is God's will to heal 
everyone. Next thing I showed you last night was there is no sickness, disease, or condition that God cannot heal. There's no sickness, condition, or disease that God cannot heal. We just read he heals all your diseases. We looked at Matthew 4, 23 and 24, where it talked about Jesus Christ. He went about and he was healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. They brought all sick people to him, afflicted with various diseases and torments. They were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and the last part the Holy Ghost threw in there to make sure you understood it, and he healed them. So all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease, various diseases, epilepsy, par par uh, paralysis, anything you can bring up, cancer, uh, uh, coronavirus, cold, flu, come on, anything, you name it, you name it, toothaches and migraines and nausea and come on now, blood disorders and you name it, he can heal it, anemia and hypoglycemia and anything, you name it, glaucoma and whatever you name, he can heal it, all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of disease, various diseases of any sort. I'll throw this in too, just to boot. They, medical science tells us that all diseases and sicknesses go fall into 39 categories. It just so happened that when Jesus Christ went on Calvary's cross, before he got there, they whipped him with exactly 39 stripes. And your Bible says in Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2 that with his stripes... Oh, my God. So I don't care what new condition, what new disease, what new sickness, what new virus, what new name comes up in the next 45 years, it's already covered back on Calvary's cross. Give God a praise about that. Hallelujah. All right. Now, I got to keep going here. Then we also learned last night that healing always comes. I dare you to say that. Healing always comes. If you're at home, join in with us and say it with us. Ready, go. Healing always comes. Well, pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I know so and so. Healing always comes. Glory to God. Healing always comes. If not, God's a liar. And I have news for you. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Don't you allow my God to say healing didn't come. Healing always comes. James 5.15, we read that a moment ago. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Come on now. That will is pretty, 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 pretty uh, concrete for me. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. Y'all know this if you've been born again a little minute. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18, which says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Now, who's talking in this verse? Jesus. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Verse 18, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. I guarantee you have drank some deadly stuff in your life. Not me. I bet you have. I can guarantee you have. You don't know what they put in all this stuff you've been drinking. 
every soda, every drink we, we put it out. You've eaten some deadly stuff. You don't know what people in them factories been doing. Well, I, I, I watched them in the kitchen cook it. I, you didn't watch them in the factory make it. Oh, you hear what I'm saying to you? So it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. They will lay hands. They will lay hands. Say, I will lay hands. I will lay hands. On the sick, and they will recover. Now, if you, if you call Jesus a lie, I might slap you in your face. I'd be like calling my daddy a liar. You just call him, you know, don't call Jesus a liar. He said that. And if he said it, he meant it. If it were not so, he would have told us. He would have said, well, sometimes, you know, it depends on if the, if the you know, conditions are right. It depends on if the moon is lined up with Venus perfectly and depends on how the tide is and everything like that. It, it said, he didn't say that. No, he, he didn't say that. He said, if you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Period. So healing always comes. Now, notice again, he says, and I just want to bring this out. We didn't talk about this last night. But it says they will lay hands on the sick. Now, laying hands is one of the ways you release healing power. Laying hands is not the only way you release healing power. Laying hands is one of the ways that you release healing power. Laying hands, when you lay your hand, your hand uh, is not powerful. Your hand is just the vessel, just the pathway for the power that comes from the source to get to that person. So your hand then serves as a point of contact. Your hand is a point of contact. But you can also have something else as a point of contact, such as a cloth. The Bible says they took uh, cloths from Paul's body, right? And uh, it didn't even mention that Paul prayed over them. We assume, we don't know what happened. People say Paul prayed over them. We don't know. It just said they took things to touch his body, and they go and, and, and demons came out of people, and all kind of stuff happened because um, uh, they had a point of contact. Peter is walking down the street in his shadow. People are scrambling to get in his shadow. They used his shadow. They made his shadow a point of contact. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They couldn't all get right on him, but they could use his shadow. And I'm guaranteeing God was so, so wise as to make the sun be at just the right angle that it cast a long shadow to get as many folk in there as, as would release their faith. So laying hands is one, one way that you release that power. Glory to God. All right, now, let's also look then, we talked about last night, then if my if I lay hands on the sick and they recover, my job is to believe. I believe and I lay hands and then the healing always comes. I showed you three parts to that healing, which is one, a source, two, a transmitter, and three, a receiver. Number one, a source, that's God always. God is a source of healing. Number two, the transmitter is you or someone else who's connected to the source. And then there's a receiver. So God is the constant. No matter what. I'm a variable as a transmitter. 
and the person who's on the, the, the need end is a, is a variable. They're the receiver. Got it? So just like now, I'm speaking, and my mouth, my voice is going into my little microphone here. There's a transmitter on my back, and that transmitter is transmitting my voice, the signal, uh, to a receiver in our media department back there. And now that's what you hear. You got it? There's three parts of this. I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk. We experienced it last night. I'm talking, and my transmitter went out. I'm still talking now. And the transmitter went out. God is always talking. God's power is always flowing. God's power is always the same. But he needs some transmitters who are powered up. So he can then get his power through us transmitters to receivers. And then the receiver just has to be set right. Here's how it works. My transmitter, you set it to a channel. Now the channel in the, in the media department has to match this same channel. If it's not matching the same channel, even though the source is right, the transmission is right, the receiver won't get it because it's not on the same channel. So healing always comes. God is always constant. If I can get the transmitter, you and me, lined up with God, we all right, we got, we got two-thirds of it. We got two-thirds of it. All we're looking for is somebody who will lock in, tune in, and receive the healing power of God, and we can get, we can get something going right here, amen, in the earth. Praise God. All right, I don't want to preach too much on that. I did last, last night. Okay? The last thing I showed you last night, I believe it was, was our Father does the work. Our Father does the work. Okay? In John 14, verse 10, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. The Father does the works. Give me verse 12 of the same chapter, please. John 14, verse 12. Hallelujah. Watch this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who's sitting here tonight in healing school class. Now, y'all are saying no, but I hope I, hope I can substitute this for y'all because hopefully you're here because you believe in him. So he who believes in me, the works that I do. Now, wait a minute. He just said in verse 10, my father does the works. Right? So what he, we have to understand is that my father does the works in me. I'm simply a vessel to allow the father to do the work in me. And so then he tells us here in verse 12 that if we believe in him, if we believe in him, then the works that I do, he will do also. So that means the same way the father worked in Jesus. Oh, Jesus. The father wants to work in us also. And greater works 
than these. Why? Because I go to my father. Wait a minute, I go to my father. How's that going to make us do greater works? Because now it's two of them working through me. Oh, Jesus. Now they're double teaming on the inside of me. I got the power of the Father. I got the power of the Son, not to mention the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. Oh, greater works than these that we do. Oh, my goodness. Somebody said, I'm qualified for greater works. Why? Because I believe in him. I believe in him. Glory to God. I think it's over in John chapter 7, verse, right around verse 37 or so, where Jesus said, he that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Something happens when you begin to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we just read it over in Mark 16, right around verse uh, 15, 16, and 17, and 18, where it said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Yes. Punctuation starting there, in my name. But if we took the punctuation out, it will read this way. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. He didn't speak with punctuation. <laughs> so something happens when we believe. So our job is, according to John 6, 29, to believe. Our work is to believe. Our work is to believe. Once we believe, now we release the power. Whether it's through laying on of hands, whether it's through a prayer cloth, whether it's us walking, whether it's us getting on the phone and speaking a word. You can release a power. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 20, that God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. So you and I have the authority, just like him, to send a word. We're releasing that power. You got it? All right. So let's pick up tonight. Pick up tonight, and let's see how we begin to move more and more into this action here. You got it? Okay, so the next thing I want you to write down, at home, make sure you're writing this down. Don't just write it in the chat. You can put it in the chat, but write, keep your own notes, okay? Prayer and fasting generate faith and power. Prayer and fasting generate, generate faith and power. You know, a generator produces something. That's what it does, right? A generator produces energy. In your business, your, your, your goal is to generate revenue. You're producing something. You're creating something. You, you, you put this together and that together to create something. Glory to God. If you're a baker, you're going to put some eggs together and some sugar together and some milk together and some, uh, help me out, uh, flour together, <laughs> baking soda, something. You want to generate cookies or you want to generate a cake. You're producing something. You put things together. So when you put prayer, particularly uh, spirit-led prayer, not now I lay me down, that's why I pray the Lord my soul to keep you, not, not that kind of prayer. I mean real prayer together with fasting, you generate faith and power. This is important here because God has called us and assigned us to major responsibility, but we need Faith and power to get the job done. Yes, Turn over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, please. Luke 4 and verse 14, there's a scripture uh, that something happens at, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He went to, Jordan, to the Jordan River and John baptized him. 
after he was baptized, the Holy Ghost led him out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. He fasted 40 days. Oh, my goodness. At home, I hear you. Oh, my goodness. 40 days, Pastor. I don't want to do four days. Some people act like four hours is going to break them. Glory to God. You want to know why he walked in so much power? 40 days. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, this is after the temptation, after the fast is over, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Mm -hmm. That's it. He returned from, not from where, from what? I mean, we, we, can, we, can, we know from where, but where was it important? Because he'd have to fast in the wilderness. He could have fasted at the house. So the where is not important. It was the what. He returned from prayer and fasting in the power of the Spirit. Well, this is something we see him do throughout his ministry. Where he'd go off by himself in a, into a desert place and he'd pray. He'd get up early in the morning. One of my favorite scriptures over in Mark chapter 1, right around verse 35, how Jesus, it was his custom every day. He'd get up, go outside, and he'd just pray. So I make a habit of I get up and I go outside and I pray. I pray. That's just what Jesus did before day. He talked about a long time before daylight. Now, I've not gotten this. You know, my spiritual dad has a 3 a.m. Uh, assignment. I don't have a 3 a.m. assignment. Thank God he gave it to them, to him. Praise the Lord. But I, I round up the next, the next quarter. You know, I got it. Praise the Lord. And I don't mind going for however long the Lord lets me go on. I just go on and on and on. But I don't mind that. And, and that's how he would, before Jesus chose his 12 apostles. You know, he had thousands of disciples. But he went up all night and prayed. And came out and said, okay, you, 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 and you. See? So my prayer life and my fasting life, can I just call it consecration? My consecration lifestyle is critical to me walking in power and walking in faith. Because let me tell you something. When you encounter somebody in the grocery store and they need to be healed, you can't tell them, hold on, let me go uh, pray and fast for uh, three hours. You can't say, well, hey, can I see you next week? They might not, might not make it the next week. They need you powered up, faithed up right now. So I must live a lifestyle of consecration. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to fast every day of the week, but I'm talking about fasting must be included in your lifestyle, in, in your, your, your regiment that you go through. Fasting must be a part of it. Prayer must be a vital part of it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray. When you fast, when you give, that's, that's a power trilogy right there. When you pray, when you fast, when you give, all those things he said, when you do those things secretly, I will reward you openly. And what the world needs is the open reward of our private time with God. Glory to God. So Jesus Christ would pray and fast. All right? Now, Prayer and fasting strengthen your inner man. The Bible says that, it says, may the Lord strengthen uh, you with might by his spirit in your inner man. 
That's what Paul said. May, may the Lord strengthen you with might by his spirit in your inner man. So our inner man needs to be strengthened. Your outer man is going to go through some stuff, but your inner man needs to be strengthened. Then the Bible tells us all in the book of Jude that we should build ourselves up in our most holy faith doing what? Praying in the Holy Ghost. So when we, when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we build ourselves up. And so it, it, that's good. You, you want to be built up before something comes along. That's why, that's why if you wait until you get sick and then try to start taking vitamins, ah, oh, that's kind of like backwards. You want to do that before the things come along. Amen. The moment they say there's a hurricane out, out, you know, out in the Gulf somewhere, if you're, you're not going to use your faith and shut the thing down, then you better button your house up. Before it hits your street, <laughs> I personally choose to shut it down out there in the Gulf, to shut it down out there in the Atlantic before we even have to button anything up. Yes. Glory to God. But we have to do these things every day, building ourselves up in our most holy faith, being strengthened with might by his spirit in our inner man, so that we are always ready to minister. I tell you, before I had a guy one time ask me, Pastor, when, when do you disconnect? And I said, I, I, I don't. I don't, I don't have that luxury. You need me. <laughs> you, this world needs me. So I can't disconnect and let my hair down. If I'm on vacation, vacation, you think I skip my prayer time because I'm on vacation? I remember we were out, we, we were uh, a few years ago, the whole family, we were out. Uh, Mom was with us. We were out there in, uh, I think, Davenport somewhere. Just a little, just a little mini, few days vacation. And uh, I got up early, and I, you know, everybody's in the house. So I'm not going, I'm not going to disturb the whole house, man. I went out to my car. I got in the car, man. I prayed fire down in my car, man. I, so I don't know if people in the parking lot might have been disturbed, but I, you know, I was, I'm, I wasn't going to miss it just because I'm on vacation. I need to be built up. I can't afford to let myself, to let myself go. <laughs> I won't bother with that, man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right? Now, let me show you something here real quick. Go to Matthew 17. Let's pick up the pace here. Matthew 17, beginning at verse 14. I'll read through verse 21. Matthew 17, verse 14 through 21. Y'all have it at home? All right. Matthew 17, verse 14 through 21. Let me, let me get it here. Hallelujah. All right. It says... And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, sometimes ladies will say a lunatic, and suffers severely. So epileptic seizures, convulsions, things like that. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Let's go. So I brought him to your disciples. I brought him to your disciples. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Which means he's already tried doctors and there's nothing they can do. So I brought him to your disciples. The next, next best thing. I need to go, let me go up, up the, a notch here. But notice what it says. They, but they could not cure him. Now, you got to assume, I can't prove it, but we can assume he's been to medical science. So obviously those in medical science could not cure him. So we know that there are what medical science today calls incurable diseases or incurable conditions. Whether they're, they're uh, terminal or not, 
Incurable doesn't mean terminal. It just means there's nothing we can do to fix it. Which means what they tell you is, okay, we'll give you something to help you just deal with it. The rest of your life, you'll deal with this pain. Fibromyalgia. We can't cure it. We'll just help you deal with the pain your whole life. We can't fix all these various diseases, but we'll just help you, you know, maintain and cope. And you can, you can wear this apparatus, or you can take these pills every day, or you can, you know, uh, uh, get some CBD oil now. Everybody doing that CBD and medical marijuana, all that kind of foolishness. It ain't curing it. I don't want to see no Christians out there buying CBD oil. Slow release marijuana. You've been delivered from that. Glory to God. I hope you've been delivered from that. Now listen, this word cure from the Greek is the Greek word therapuo. Therapuo, which means to serve or do service to heal, cure, or restore to health. We get the word therapy or therapeutic from this word, right? So to serve, do service to heal, cure, restore to health. So he says, your disciples could not service this. They couldn't heal. They couldn't cure. They couldn't restore to health. Obviously, the doctors couldn't do it either. Remember that woman with issue of blood, 12 years? Nothing better. Rather grew worse. Ants spent all she had. Use a ball, her little insurance deductible and all that. This copay just, just ripped a hole in her. Praise the Lord. So he says the disciples, they could not cure him. Keep going, please. Verse 17 now. Verse 17. Hallelujah. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Let's keep going. And Jesus rebuked the demon. He rebuked the demon. I'll deal with that later. And it came out of him, and the child was? Cured. Huh? Cured. The child was cured from that very hour. That means he didn't just treat him. Remember I told you last night? He didn't just treat. He healed. He cured. All right? Now, we know that. And those of you sitting here, you know, you know these stories. You know this kind of stuff already, but I'm talking to somebody at home. So Jesus cured this condition from that very hour, or we could say instantly from that moment, right? Now, um, where we're reading here, it doesn't talk about this much, but in Mark's account, it talks about how when he did this, how, how the demons start cutting up even more. <laughs> The demon, as a matter of fact, when Jesus first showed up, the boy started convulsing. Then when he spoke to it, he started convulsing even more. To the point he went and looked like he was dead. In other words, the demon knew he, was got, he got to get out of there, but he's going to put on one little, one little last show to, to make it look like he's still in charge. That's why, listen to me very carefully, you cannot go by your symptoms. Healing always comes. And if the anointing power of Jesus Christ has been released to you, that healing has come. Now your symptoms, your body, the devil, has to put on one last show to make you think he ain't going anywhere, but he's going anywhere because he's been cast out. 
That's why you can't use your mouth to agree with him and say, well, it must not have happened. No, it happened. It happened. Don't go by your symptoms. You have been cured from, from that very hour. All right, now verse 19, keep going, please. Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus probably and said, why could we not cast it out? Now, here's the issue. Why couldn't we cast it out? Now, remember, we're dealing with consecration. So Jesus said to them, because of your what? Because of your what? Say it real loud. For surely I say to you, if you have what? Faith. Faith. As a mustard seed. Notice he didn't say anything about size in the mustard seed. He said as. As. People all talk about small as a mustard seed, the size of a mustard seed. He never said size. He said as. In other words, this mustard seed is so potent. I mean, you, you, you want to change chicken? Put some mustard on that chicken before you cook it. You want to change some fried fish? Smell a little mustard on it before you fry it and see, boy, want to change your life. Pork chop, you want to change that thing? You just, I'm telling you. It's, it's potent. It says, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be, it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So notice here, he's saying, the problem is your unbelief. You, if you have faith, Keywords, unbelief and faith. Now, when you have faith, you can say something. And nothing will be impossible for you. Now, verse 21 is where people get messed up. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. What people make this out to be is this kind of demon does not go out by prayer, except by prayer and fasting. But he's not talking about a demon. He just talked about unbelief and faith and saying something. Unbelief and faith and saying something. Saying something. Go out. Go out. Faith goes by saying. So, however, this kind of faith does not go out or is not released except by prayer and fasting. So, Jesus already given these, these guys power over, over the demons, all right? But their unbelief was stopping everything from happening, okay? In Matthew, give me Matthew 10, verse 8. Matthew 10, verse 8. Jesus had already, now this is, Matthew 10 is before Matthew 17. Am I right? These, these are, are uh, uh, cardinal numbers. 10 comes before 17 in that order. So, <laughs> somebody's Googling that right now. In Matthew 10, verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, here it is, cast out demons. That's all in the same sentence. Same command, same power. One is not harder than the other. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received power, freely give. Got it? So they already have power over the demons. So when he said this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting, he's not distinguishing demons. He's giving them power. 
Luke 10, 19, he says, uh, I've given you all power over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any man's hurt you. So all power, every demon is already under their power. The problem for them is their unbelief. Because unbelief restricts the power. Unbelief, so this is what you and I have to fix. Before we go trying to lay hands and cast out devils and heal the leper, you know, raise the dead, we got to cast out unbelief. How do we do that? By prayer and fasting. In Matthew 13, 58, the Bible says Jesus Christ, he did not do many mighty, mighty works there because of their unbelief. So unbelief restricts the power of God. Y'all have this here. Okay, so I've got to make sure I live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. I have to live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praying daily. Fasting often. That's what Paul, Paul said that. Fasting often. That's what he said about his life. When he was going through his list of things that he did, he said fasting often. Glory to God. Which means you don't wait for the pastor to call a fast. How much power do you want? How much do you want to see people delivered and healed and set free? Now listen, trust me, I'm not picking on anybody. I mean, I'm, you can look at me and tell I don't fast all the time. I remember one time, not the one time, the one time I went to Africa and uh, one of our deacons is with me, and we, we go, get, go meet, and, you know, we uh, show up at the main place where we're going to be having these big meetings, and uh, we get over there, and they introduce all the pastors and everything, so they pass from Africa, and I walk up to this, this, this pastor, and this lady looks at me, and she said, you never fast. <laughs> I want to slap fire on my own. I do fast, just not... not much as y'all have to. Y'all have to. I get to. When I want to. You have to. <laughs> I didn't, never forget that lady said, you, 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 you don't fast. You never fast. Girl, either you better, you better back up. Praise the Lord. Amen. So prayer and fasting generate faith and power. It's very important. Very important, because we want to be powerful. Now, you have the power. But you want to generate, stir that power up. Hallelujah. Like I told you last night, uh, Duke, they, they hook you up at your house, but they're not going to turn the light switch on for you. They're not going to plug the vacuum cleaner in for you. You got to do that yourself. You can put all the strawberries and bananas and whatever you want in the blender. They're not going to come push the, push the button for you. You got to do it yourself. Okay? So God's provided us the power, but we got to stir ourselves up. You got it? All right. Now, so prayer and fasting generate faith and power. Now, let's look at this next one here before we take a quick break, all right? The anointing protects you. The anointing protects you. Online, make sure you're writing this down. This is very important right now. The anointing protects you. Oh, 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 oh. oh my. The, uh, 
anointing, I'll say it again, protects you. You've got to have faith in that anointing, though. You've got to make sure you don't leave that anointing at home with you, at home, behind. Leave it. You go to work, you left your anointing at home. <laughs> the anointing protects you. Well, Pastor, you don't know because I know a bunch of Christians. There's people right up in our church. They came down with the coronavirus. You want me to explain what happened? I'm telling you, the anointing protects you. See, and if you don't walk in that kind of confidence, if you don't have that realization, if you don't understand that new creation reality, um, if you don't enforce that, You leave yourself open. Now, you can get sucker punched pretty good now. For all the anointing you have, you can get sucker punched. So I'm not at it in any way trying to put anybody down. Trust me, because there's some, some stuff that's hit me before, and I'm like, where'd that come from? Which one of y'all hit me? <laughs> I got hit every which way but loose. I ain't know what was going on. Right? That's happened to anybody? Okay. But when we're going to minister healing, we're going to have to trust in the anointing to protect us. Because your anointing is a power, is an energy that's working in you, on you, and through you. It's working in you, on you, and through you, and you need that because some of the, some of the things you're going to face what uh, can be sort of uh, intimidating if you don't know about that anointing. Well, we just read in Matthew 17 about this man with this little boy. Well, I don't know if he's a little boy. He's a young, young man. We actually, theologians say a young man. And he, he's, he's got demons. He's got demons. He's convulsing and doing all kind of stuff and everything. He's got demons. And see, church I grew up in, see, this is how it was. Somebody in church start manifesting a demon, and they get all the kids. Get out of the church. Take all the kids outside. Because some demons going to jump on you. And people, people in church, even the grown-ups, grown-ups can be all chewing gum, all serving. Somebody mess with demons over there. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Grab their purse. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm telling you, I watched it. If you grew up in a Pentecostal kind of church, you, you saw this all the time on a regular basis. Because people didn't understand the anointing. They acted as if those demons had more power than the anointing. Hallelujah. Now, I watched some, some I mean, I watched demons manifest, and I've seen, I mean, I've, I remember one time seeing a little boy, he about maybe 10, 11, 12 years old, I mean, pick up a, pick up a sofa. We, we, we had gone to somebody, this lady's house, to, we're going to get this demon out of this little boy. And uh, <laughs> we get over there, 
in the little boy in the living room, and he, start, he, he starts manifesting. Y'all don't mean manifesting. I don't mean money. I mean, he manifests in a demon spirit. And that little boy, look at that. Ah. He like, in the name of Jesus. And that little boy reaches in and grabs one leg of that sofa. One leg. Picks it up in there. Oh. <laughs> See, some of y'all, you, you, you've been so, so sheltered, you ain't ever seen nothing like that in your life. I've seen it with my own eyes. That young man is delivered today, though. Yeah. Wonderful. Doing, I mean, doing very well. Hallelujah. We've seen it right in this church. All kind of stuff here. But the people get delivered. You got to trust in the anointing. I remember one time uh, we had a, a girl one time manifested right in the middle aisle. And there was, there was some uh, guests. I remember them very, because I knew them from, from growing up. They were there, and that girl stopped manifesting, and the guy looked down and said, before I knew it, they were gone. They got about here so quick, boy. I said, wow, y'all not going to stay for the offering? Praise the Lord. See, but you don't know about the anointing. The anointing protects you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You think when Jesus went, showed up on, at Gadara in Mark 5, and that man had that legion of demons who came at him, you think Jesus backed up like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, he trusted the anointing. He knew who he was. So the anointing protects you. Now, what about contagious diseases? Oh, See, now we're bringing it into 2020. Because we're in coronavirus season. And now the body of Christ is so scared. When I say the body of Christ, you know I don't mean everybody, obviously. But much, if not most of the body, at least apparently on the surface, is so afraid that the body of Christ is hiding in the cave like the rest of the world. No, you know what I'm saying? Let me change that. Because the world really ain't hiding. Let me tell you something. Let me speak for all y'all who are in other states, other lands, whatever. St. Pete is popping. St. Pete had, has all y'all church members down here on the beaches, in our hotels, in the malls. They all down here. They're they not, they not home quarantining. They're down here in St. Pete. All of them. At the pier, on Beach Drive. It, it, it's, it's covered. It's massive all down here. I don't mean a few of them. I mean all of them. The church is scared. The world. The world bought it, bought it. Oh, y'all hear me. Now, so what do you do if you got contagious things? Let's look at Luke 5. Luke 5. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, boy, we're demon busters. You, you ain't had fun until a demon looking at you and says, I know who you are. Say, I know who you are too. You defeated devil. Get out of here. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to admit to you, when I was much younger now, I wasn't always this bold, you know. When I was much younger, I used to be scared to drive home by myself in the dark. You leave, leave a Pentecostal service like that, and you kind of thinking things in your car with you. Like. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Luke 5. 
Demons catching a ride. <laughs> Trying to get cross town. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Luke 5 and verse 12. <laughs> and it happened when he was in a certain city. Oh, y'all straighten up. That behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. Now, we read this here last night. Other places, but I want you to see tonight. I use this particular verse where it says here, full of leprosy. The Passion Translation about this verse says it this way, covered with leprous sores. Now I want you to use your sanctified imagination for a moment. And picture coming up on somebody and they're covered in leprous sores. You know these are leprous sores. This is oozing pus. It's not one here or there. Everywhere. Imagine his pain, what, what leprosy does. It, it affects every part of your body. And he cries out, Lord, if you're willing, if you're willing, because he knows, he knows Jesus is a priest. He's not supposed to even touch him, be near him, let alone touch him. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Could you imagine Jesus being the 2020 pastor? What? as paralyzed by fear as the world. He said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, I want you to understand leprous. It says full of leprosy. I, I looked up and it said in the Middle Ages, the Middle Ages, this is in the, in, in the Middle Ages in Europe, lepers had to wear special clothing. They had to ring bells to warn others when they were anywhere close by. I'm talking about social distancing. They even had to walk, if they could walk, if they could walk, 
If they could still walk, we could we say that from leprosy. On a particular side of the road, depending on the direction of the wind. They were afraid of airborne. So contagious. Now you go and you Google it today, it says leprosy contagious. They're going to tell you, oh, not, not contagious. But this is a different, what they're calling contag- leprosy today is not what leprosy is here, back here. There, there's some other hands disease, whatever they're calling it now. It's some, that's something different. What this leprosy is like in, the, in these ages we were talking about and further back in Jesus' day, highly, extremely contagious so much that they had to ring bells. Remember those 10 men when they came to Jesus Christ wanting help? They cried up, cried from a far way off, a long ways off. Jesus, have mercy on us. They were contagious. They had to live in leper colonies. Remember those four lepers in 2 Kings chapter 7? <laughs> they were stuck outside the gate of the city. They said, why sit, here, sit we here until we died? They knew that leprosy was a, was a, was a, a death sentence on, them, on their lives. So, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus says in the very next wor- verse, I am willing to be cleansed. And a leper uh, left him. But notice what it says. He put out his hand and touched him. Now, that's big. Because he could have sent his word. But he's showing his boy something. I'm showing my boy something that when you have this anointing, <laughs> you have no need to fear because the anointing will protect you. And he intentionally, purposefully put out his hand and touched him. He didn't like try to find a spot. No, he couldn't find a spot because he was full of leprosores covered in him. There was no clean spot to touch. If we, you know from Levitical law, that man's clothes were considered unclean. Anything he touched was unclean. The ground he was sitting on was considered unclean. Jesus, yet with that anointing, touched him. So I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that when you're ministering healing, you cannot have any fear of contagions. If you do, you better back off. Because what you fear will come on you. But if you walk in faith and trust the anointing that's on you, in you, and working through you, then you'll stand against all of it. I've shared with you before, I just want to read a little bit of it. A man, uh, one of the generals of the faith named uh, John G. Lake, during the... uh, Bubonic plague. Many of you never heard of the, the bubonic plague, but if you were born before 1960, if you were born before 1960, it was still considered active. As a matter of fact, I told you this other day, they just found in Colorado, they said they found a squirrel in Colorado here about two weeks ago with bubonic plague. So it's still around because viruses don't die. All y'all COVID people, viruses don't die. So if you're waiting for it to be over, it's never going to be over. Viruses don't die. A squirrel's got bubonic plague. But during this time, 
Between 1855 and 1960, there were 12 million deaths. 12 million deaths. <laughs> These are not unprecedented times. 12 million deaths. Now, John G. Lake, here's a testimony about him, and I'll have our media team post it on our various outlets, and it'll be in the chat on YouTube and so forth. He said this. He said, when the people came to them and asked them, why are you and your uh, men not being affected by this plague? And y'all out here ministering, laying hands on all these sick people who are, who are uh, in this area, and people, they're, they're not dying there, you all aren't getting sick. It said, they asked him, the doctors asked, what have you been using to protect yourself? Our core has this, pre this preventative and that, which we use as protection, what we would call PPEs, personal protection equipment. That's your mask, that's your gloves, that's your shields, that's all the sanitizer, all the Lysol. Y'all keep buying up all the Lysol at the stores. Can't even buy alcohol in the stores unless you're going to drink it. says, but we concluded that if a man stay on the ground as you have and keep ministering to the sick and burying the dead, you must have a secret. What is it? They want to know what is your secret, Brother Lake. He answered, brother, it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There's no Lysol. There's no sanitizer on my hands. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm going to look right at you. You're looking right in the eye. You can wear a mask, but you can't trust in the mask. You can sanitize your hands, but don't trust in that. You can wear gloves and a face shield, but don't trust. You can Lysol everything from the rooter to the toot of your house, but don't trust in that. What you put your trust in is Romans 8, verse 2. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. That's my personal protection. <laughs> this is what he told him. He said, I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and my body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me for the spirit of God will kill it. The spirit of God will kill the germs and viruses that try to attach to my body. He says... When a man's spirit and a man's body are filled with the blessed presence of God, it oozes out of the pores of your flesh and kills the germs. Now, some of you remember, I told you, because I've read this before, but those online, you'll have it, a copy of it. He had them take the bubble or whatever it was coming out of the, the dying people's mouths and put it on his hand and then analyze it under a microscope. Because they knew that it, the germs of the, the bacteria would still be alive just after the person was dead. But they said, no, put them on my hands and then look under a microscope and they, he, they'd see how after it touched his hands, it would die. And they like, how is that happening? He said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. See, that law is more powerful than the law of sin and death. It'll override it every time. 
Now listen to this, because some of you out there listen to me, you say, well, Pastor, I got sick. Okay. He said this, you who are sick, put yourself in contact or reconnect yourself with God's law of life. No matter if you've been attacked and a germ and a virus got in there and now you got a sore throat and I got a headache and everything, you seem like you can't see straight. No, don't go by that. Just go back to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and say, I am free from this law of sin and death. But pastor, I got it. I have good news for you. If you're watching me, that means it didn't kill you. Glory to God. It didn't kill you. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It didn't kill you. You already have the victory. Give God a shout about that. You already have the victory. Praise the Lord. While you're going on, that law of the spirit of life kicked in on you. Yeah, you got caught off guard, but the law kicked in. Praise the Lord. Here comes the law. Here comes the law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. All that happened was the law was enforced in your life. The law was enforced in your life. What law? Well, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Who enforced it? Are not all the angels ministering spirits sent for the minister for those who are the heirs of salvation? <laughs> it didn't kill you didn't kill you. That means you took the punch. You ever, you ever seen these boxes that they, they, they just can't take a punch? You took a punch. Some of y'all got punched. I mean hard, but you took it. There you are. You're still here. Champions know how to take punches. You're a champion if you're watching me tonight. Hallelujah. You're a champion if you're sitting here and you got hit. Glory to God. I got knocked down, but I did not get knocked out. Glory to God. No, I got a law working on my behalf. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand on your feet for a minute. Just shake your body a little bit. Take a, take a quick one-minute break. At home and stand up, and while you're at home, you might just shout a little bit. Just praise the Lord. I, I took it, and I'm still here. I took a punch, and I'm still here. I'm Still alive. The devil thought he had me, but I've overcome. Glory to God. Glory to God. I've got a law working on the inside of me. The law rose up. The law enforcement angels came, rose up, and they are working in my life. Thank you, Lord. The devil thought he had me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. You loose now? All right. Let's keep going here. Let's keep going. So we said prayer and fasting generate faith and power. Prayer and fasting generate faith and power. Okay? So you can cure people. So you can cure people. You can cure people. You can serve them, you can do service. You can heal them, you can cure them, you can restore them to health. You can do this. Say, I can do that. I can do that. Glory to God. Then I wanted you to get here tonight. You got it. I believe that the anointing protects you. 
You got to have some fearlessness here. Doesn't matter if it's a demon. Doesn't matter if it's a contagious disease. The anointing protects you. See, I, I can't be afraid if somebody comes up and says, I've, I've been diagnosed with so-and-so and, and I, I need somebody to pray for me. The Bible said if they're sick, call the elders of the church. What the elders going to do? What the elders going to do? He said they got to anoint him with oil. He didn't say get a squirt, squirt bottle. In. No, you're going to anoint them with oil and you're going to pray the prayer of faith. Okay? So we cannot be afraid. All right, let's keep going here. Here's what we're going to do. When you're out ministering, or particularly, again, our prayer counselors, our prayer our altar workers, when you're ministering to someone, they come to you, whatever you're doing is speak to the problem. Write that down. Speak to the problem. In Luke 4, hallelujah, you remember we were in Luke 4 earlier? Luke 4, look at verse 38 and 39. It says, now he arose from the synagogue, this is Jesus, and entered whose house? Simon's house, Simon Peter, right? But Simon's wife's mother, that's his mother-in-law, was sick with a high fever. And they made request of him, concerning her. So she's got a high fever. King James says a great fever. There, that's, that's where we get the, the, the Greek word mega. You look it up in the Greek, it's mega fever. She had a mega fever. It's a high, it's an extreme fever. It's not, it's not a, a low, what they call a low grade. This is one, in fact, I looked it up. A high fever can lead to mental dysfunction. So this woman who's used to serving and blessing and ministering and whatever she's been doing, this high fever, it says, can lead to mental dysfunction, which includes confusion, excessive sleepiness, irritability, and seizures. You let a fever get high enough, it can lead to seizures. So she's laying down, so she's got excessive sleepiness. She can't minister. She can't do anything. She's mentally disoriented. And she's got a high fever. Jesus comes in, and it says, verse 39, so he stood over her and said, whoo, that lady is hot. Oh, we need to get a cold compress. We need to get something. Oh, my God, we need to ice her down. No. What did he do? Rebuke the fever. So he spoke to the problem. Now, I know we have medical people watching online. They're going to say, well, fever is the problem. Fever is an indication of a problem. Okay, well, if he speaks, remember when he cures, that word cure means to uh, do it thoroughly. <laughs> right? Cure means to, to, uh, that, to heal, actually, we, we used that word last night. It means to do it thoroughly. So when he speaks to the fever, he's speaking to the root of that fever. 
He knows what's, what's, what's going on. When he, matter of fact, even if he did not naturally know what's going on, when he speaks, that word is powerful enough to go beyond the fever to the cause. It's an infection, a viral infection, whatever's causing it, he deals with it right then. But notice, he spoke to the problem. It says he rebuked the fever. He didn't pray for her. Oh, uh, Janice, uh, I want to pray for you. Janice, how you feeling? Janice, everything going to be all right. Just let me see what we can do. No, he rebuked the fever. He spoke to the fever. Fever, break now. Something simple as that. And Prada wasn't even that loud. That's something kind of we do in our dramatics. I command you in the name of Jesus. It's probably that just fever go now in Jesus' name. Or in my name, whatever you might say. <laughs> no, he didn't. Fever just go. Fever will break. Or be healed. But we know he rebuked the fever, so he spoke to the fever. So that means that fever could hear. That fever could hear, just like he spoke to a tree, because a tree could hear. Sicknesses can hear, because sickness has a demonic source. Sickness has a demonic source. So he spoke directly to it. Okay? Now remember, God, remember last night, God gave us dominion over the human body. He gave us dominion. So she's got a problem in her body, so he took dominion over her body. So that fever could not do what he would not allow it to do. That fever was, was I mean, it's tearing her body up. But he took dominion over it. Now, I want you to, to see this. You can write it down if you, if you have time. You should write it down. When people allow you to minister to them, they are yielding their dominion to you. Oh, that's good. When people allow you to minister to them, they are yielding their dominion. Because now, you know, they have it. They just don't know it, maybe. But when they allow you to minister to them, you're going to lay hands or you're going to speak over them or you're going to... Hit them with your, your suit jacket. Come on, we watch them some stuff. Or you're going to kick them. You know, God to do all kind of wild stuff to get people healed. Apostle Derber told a story a few weeks ago. He was here about him kicking somebody. Brother Kenneth Hagin's talking about kicking somebody. Praise God. And one time I saw Dr. Leroy Thompson slap a man. Just slap fire out of a man's mouth. Bam! You don't like it? I'm going to do it again. Bam! I like it. (laughs) Praise God. When people allow you to minister to them, y'all don't like that. Pastor, don't try that. I love you, Pastor, but don't try that. Don't try that. Okay. When people allow you to minister to them, they are yielding their dominion to you. So remember, remember now, they have dominion. But in their current state, they're either, they're either ignorant of it or not exercising it. So when you say, hey, 
can I minister to you? You, you might you're gonna use words like, may I pray for you, you know, or may I whatever. Uh, but re really, may I minister to you? And they say, yes, please, I got this issue in my body, whatever. And yes, please, please. And they're going they to do this. What, what they're doing is they're yielding their dominion over to you. You understand that? So now if they yield their dominion over to you, who has dominion over their body? You do. So now you command their body as if it were yours. Did y'all catch that? Did that go over anybody's head tonight? So you then are able now to speak to their problem. So you see they come in that they broke their arm. Bones, muscles, tissue, I command you. Notice what I'm doing. I'm talking to it. Notice, notice also what I'm, what I'm not doing. I'm not praying. Dear God, in the name of Jesus, I come to you now. I'm going to have this, my dear sister, and I'm asking you to touch him. Well, is, that, is that okay? Yeah, sure, you can, you can do that. But when you understand dominion and authority, you already got your prayer life. You've been praying in secret. You've been praying on your own time. Now it's ministry time. They don't get in here. Y'all got it online? Now, in miniature time, now you're going to speak to that issue. Now, it's still even nothing wrong if you come and somebody come and you're going to pray with them and you're going to say, the Father in Jesus' name, I'm going to come to you and I'm believing you on behalf of this, my dear sister, for their healing right now. But at some point, you've got to shift. And you've got to speak to that issue. You've got to now take command. Use that dominion. I command you ear Open now in Jesus' name. Not, Father, I'm asking you to heal them and all that stuff. I mean, you can, you can be praying that, but you got to now speak and say, I command you ear be open. I command you eyes be open. Glory to God. And it'll happen. I said it'll happen. Well, how do you know it's going to happen? You have dominion. That body has to obey you. Those bones, those muscles, that tissue, they have to obey you because you have dominion, which is why very often, some of y'all may not have experienced this, some of y'all who are prayer counselors, you may not have experienced this before, but you will uh, if you stay in church long enough. Sometimes you got to make people shut up. What I mean, people come to you for prayer. And they say, uh, what, what do you believe in God for? Oh, but I, I need, I, I got a problem with my ear, and um, my ear is in pain, and I need God to heal my ear. And you say, okay, let me, let, me, let me minister to you. And while you're praying, they say, oh, yes, Lord. Oh, Lord, touch my ear. Oh, Will you shut up? I thought you gave me dominion. I better come over here on this side of the church. Will you shut up? I thought you were giving me dominion. Now, if you're going to do this, you can do it. I just sit here and I just agree with you. Praise the Lord. Honor your prayer. But if you're coming to me, going to let me minister. You want me to minister to you, let me do it. Don't pray over me. Just agree with me. You gotta, you're supposed to yield, right? Which is why when you go, go to get surgery at, a, at the hospital or a doctor's office, they give you anesthesia. I'm in control. Right? Some of y'all go to the dentist, the dentist, right? And you, 
Shoot. They, they got to they gotta numb you. They got to, some of them sometimes put you out because if they don't put you out, you're going to fire. They got to knock you out so they can get it done. Sometimes lifeguards, they, t- they teach lifeguards, right? If somebody's, you're trying to save their life out there in the water and they keep fighting and you just get you off me, you guys are going to die. Both of us not going to die here. Right? Am I right about that? That's how, that's how they're trained. Now, if I'm really serious about saving you, I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to try to knock you unconscious so that I can save you. Because I need you to yield yourself to me. Right? So when you're praying for someone, ministering healing to someone, uh, you need to try to, if they're, if they're talking, you need to, hey, hold on. Just let me, I got it. I got it. Okay? You need them just to, just to uh, back up a little bit. All right? So speak to the problem. Now let me add this part here to this, under this, under this heading, we'll speak to the problem, is you don't need a person's medical history. What I'm saying by that is, you don't have time to sit there and ask them, well, what was your mom? Did your mom have that? And where did this come from? Your granddad's side? And well, how long? You've been, okay, you've been, oh, really? Okay. What are, you, what are you taking? And all that, all that kind of stuff, man. If they come up there ready to get healed, just minister to healing to them. Now, if you're doing that because you're waiting on instruction from God, then I understand. There are times, sometimes you're just, uh, I've done it. Well, I'm just kind of stalling till I hear God. That's the time, even when you're, let me, let me throw this in here, about praying too. Remember when Peter went to, uh, was it Dorcas's house? Dorcas had passed on. She was, everybody was around there weeping and crying. He put them all out. He learned that from Jesus. Put everybody out. And the Bible says he knelt down and he prayed. Then he turned to her and commanded her to live. Now, what is he doing praying? He's not praying for her. He's praying for him. Lord, tell me, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I'm getting, I'm getting wisdom right now. Then I get that wisdom. Okay, here's what I do. You got it? So, but once you know, you know what to do is you speak directly to the problem. Command the bone to mend. Command the ear to open. Command the eye to open. Command the heart to be fixed. Whatever it is, speak to the problem. Y'all got that? Okay. Then the next thing I want you to write down is this. Command conditions or things to change. Command conditions or things to change. This is right on the same line. I'm not, Lord, I'm praying for this muscle that you, Lord, it'll be turned around and healed. No, command it. Command it. Remember, you have dominion. As dominion, with dominion, you command things to happen. Okay, here's the example. Remember Jesus Christ, uh, they, they come and say, hey, there's this man, this uh, centurion, whose servant is dying, and a centurion, uh, he meets him and he says, hey, I'm not worthy for you to come, come under my roof. He says, speak a word only and my servant will be healed. He said, I know how authority works. I know how dominion works. Uh, I, I say to one, go here, and he goes. I say to another one, come, and he comes. I'm a man in authority. I'm also a man under authority. So as a commander, I understand what happens. That's why I said, just speak a word only, and my servant, he'll be healed. Okay? So when you're when you know you have dominion, you command. 
See, as in faith in healing ministry, you're not a beggar. You're a commander. Oh, my goodness. Say it, I'm a commander. So you command things to change. You command conditions to change. You speak the end. You speak the end. What is it that you want to see? Glory to God. So you speak the end. Jesus will see somebody who's down. He say, rise up and walk. He spoke the end. He commanded things to change. Rise, take a rise. Take up your bed and walk. <laughs> will you be made whole? Yes, I'll be made whole. Good. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. See? So you have that authority to command things to change. So you speak the end. In other words, you say, you use phrases like be healed or blind eyes, be open. Okay? Lazarus, come forth. What is he doing? He's speaking the end. He's telling Lazarus, come on, come out of there. Okay? This is important here. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18. You know this verse. Many of you do. But let's look at it. While we do not look at the things which are seen. While we do not look at, the, look at the things which are seen. We do not. So what you see is what the person comes to you with. Or what you walk into. That's what you see. So he says, don't look at that. Now I'm not talking about don't observe it and don't notice it. He said, but don't look at that. Don't fix that as the permanent thing. Because the things... He said, look at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. So if you see a tumor, oh God, it's temporary. A broken bone. Well, but they're blind. It's temporary. No, the doctor said it's, it's permanent. They'll never get their sight back. No, 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 no. You can see it. It's temporary. Oh, y'all getting this online. They're not saying anything here. If you, if you can see it, it's temporary. Whatever you see is temporary. No matter how it looks, it's temporary. Well, how is it going to change? When you, using your dominion and your authority, command it to change. Because it's not going to change until you change it. He said, don't look at things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Well, what are the unseen things? It's words. It's words. Look at the words. Look at the words. Look at the words. Oh, God, put a word in my mouth. Oh, be healed in Jesus' name. I command you, vertebrator, uh, to straighten out right now in Jesus' name. I command you, tailbone, to be whole right now in Jesus' name. See, that's unseen. You're spinning it out and bringing it into the scene and changing what has been seen to become what, to match what was unseen now. So what was unseen becomes seen. It says the things which are seen are temporary. means they're subject to change. You ever, you ever looked at a, at a restaurant or a store and you look at their hours and it says hours are subject to change or prices are subject to change? Glory to God. So any condition you see, it is subject to change, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the unseen words, the things that are in the unseen realm, they are eternal, which means that they will change the scene. The unseen things will override the seen things. The unseen things, words, will 
outlast the seen things. I don't care what you see. Speak out of the unseen realm because that will change what you see in the seen realm. Got it? Glory to God. I'm a commander. I change conditions. I change things. I speak the end and everything changes. Y'all got it? That's how you got to minister. That's how you got to minister. Now, remember, you got to already have your faith up, prayer and fasting. You already got to have your power flowing, prayer and fasting. You already have your belief system set, praise the Lord. You already know the anointing is going to protect you from whatever is going on. And you got to know that no matter how bad a situation it may be, you already have what it takes to override it. I've given you all uh, power over all the power of the enemy. Remember that woman who had been bound over 18 years? Whom Satan has bound? She was bound because of Satan. She was bound because of Satan. And in one hot flash, one moment, Jesus changed what she had seen for 18 years. In one moment, what she had seen for 18 years changed. A man came in with a withered hand. Withered hand. Jesus simply said, stretch your hand. Guess what? He, if he could have stretched his hand, he would have done it a long time ago. Y'all got to catch this. If he could have done that, he would have done it a long time ago. But when Jesus called him forth, the Bible says Jesus called him up front. This man's like, oh, what's, what's about to happen? Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. That man gave up dominion over his body to Jesus. Stretch my hand. Now, all of a sudden, he did it. And the Bible says, and his hand was made whole as the other. All he had seen all this time, these years, was his hand withered away. Withered. I mean, withered, I mean, the bone, the muscle, everything is just, I mean, it's, it's gone. I mean, you understand what atrophy is. With muscle loss, you can't even use anything. I mean, he, 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 couldn't, he couldn't pick up a feather with that hand. All of a sudden, bam, there it is. Why? Because Jesus spoke right to the end. He commanded the conditions to change. Y'all got it? And that's what you're not supposed to do today. Right now is change people's conditions. Well, what if I command something and I don't see anything change? The things that are seen are temporary. That means that even if I don't see the change right away, I still just put a time stamp on it. Healing always comes. So at some point, it might be, remember Jesus Christ, oh my God, the, the lepers came to him and cried out, hey, have mercy on us. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. Right? They didn't get healed instantly. The Bible said, as they went. Some people might get healed as they go. It'll manifest as they go. So don't
what you, don't be moved by what you see. I'm telling you from my experience, don't let, uh, when it looks like things didn't change, don't let that, let that discourage you. Go to the next person. Praise God, you're about to get healed right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. I'm not moved by what I see. I spoke healing. I commanded that situation to change. Healing always comes. I believe God. They're going to get up. They're going to turn around. That's, that lump's going to go down. That tumor's going to be dissolved. That cancer's drying up right now in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Those bones are being hind, uh, 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 mended by stitching. <laughs> God's stitching. He's stitching those tendons together. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I, back in 2013, I started believing God for my eyesight to be restored. 2020. 2020. That's what I said. I'm, I'm believing God for. Now, man, it, it just, I'm still wearing glasses. Why are you still wearing glasses, Pastor? Because it hadn't manifested yet. But that doesn't change what I believe and what I commanded. I might wake up on Saturday morning. Put on glasses and I can't see with the glasses on. What happened? Take, oh my goodness. Why? Because the things that are seen are temporary. Subject to change. They will change. Y'all got it? Okay. Well, let's cover a couple more areas here. So you're all, now I hope y'all know what's happening now. God's raising us up as part of his army. And that's the plan that God's raising us up as a healing army to go out. I'm thinking about uh, starting something called a MASH unit. Remember the TV show MASH? MASH is a real thing in the armed forces. MASH, Mobilize Assistance, Salvation, and Healing Unit to go out and not just assist and give out stuff, but get people saved and get them healed. Because if you can help them, get them saved and get them healed, you can change their lives. That's why we're having healing schools. I hope people are getting healed themselves through what's, what's being taught. I mean, when you hear the word preached, faith is coming to you. And if you're releasing your faith at the same time, healing is coming to you. But at the same time, I want to deal with the flip side of that coin too on making sure we are ready to now minister this healing everywhere we go. Because it's too much for just me, just a few of us. It's, I mean, it's thousands of people, man, sick. You got it? All right, so let's deal with this mass thing here. Uh, this section I want to call group therapy. <laughs> group therapy. When, when, you're, when you're in a group, for example, you might stand, uh, I have a lot of uh, here flight leaders, right? Our small group leaders. So in your flight ministry, uh, your group times, you can move in the same anointing. Your flight meeting isn't just about sitting there having pizza and, you know, eating chicken wings and, and reading a couple of scriptures that Barbara put on the page. No, this is, this is, this is, it's, it's mini church. 
You can have a psalm and, and a hymn and a word and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a prophecy and all those things and move in the gifts of the Spirit. And people, people in your flight groups, they can't wait until they get here on Sunday. Your flight meet on Monday, your flight meet on Tuesday, your flight meet on Thursday, whatever it was. They can't wait to get here on Sunday to hope, hope the pastor feel like laying hands. They can't wait on that, man. They got to be ready right there where you are. Y'all got it? So group therapy. Now, when you're ministering to a group, you got to be on the lookout for faith. So look for faith. Look for faith. This is something I, I've, I've, I've watched with uh, our apostle, Apostle Derber, but I, I learned about it, hear, heard about it much with uh, people like um, Oral Roberts, one of the great the generals in, in the healing ministry during the, the, during the real healing movement that hit America. One of, one of the, the uh, main um, leaders of that. And he talked about, I've heard Brother Copeland talk about him because Brother Copeland, uh, the son of the ministry, and uh, traveled with him, was his pilot for many years, uh, at least some, some, some portion of time. And he talks about how he would look for faith in the group. You might have a line of 50 people down there, and you're just looking for faith first. What do you mean looking for faith? Because you can see faith. Right? Faith without works is dead. So there's always some action to faith. Or faith has a certain countenance or produces a certain countenance. So what you got to do is, let, let's say we're, we're out on, we're, we're on the street. We got a street team. Look straight ahead. We got a street team, and we're out ministering. We got to look for faith. Well, what, I don't I know, ain't no safe people there. When you come and you, there was a man at the gate beautiful in Acts 3. He wasn't born again either. But when Peter said, look on us, the Bible says he looked up expecting to receive something. So his expectation made him perk up. So when you're ministering in healing, you got to look for somebody who's perked up. Somebody who looks like they're ready to receive, right? You're looking for expectation. You're looking for some agreement, all right? Because remember now, here you are. You have God as a source. You're the transmitter. You're looking for somebody who's tuned in to the right channel to receive because you need this power to flow. You need a connection. You need a complete connection. You need, need to close that circuit to get the power going. Glory to God. So when you're ministering, source is always right. The transmitter, you've gotten yourself right. I'm ready. I'm connected. Now I'm looking. And I see faith. Oh, I notice faith there. I notice somebody's like, you, you can see it. You can see it. What you're looking for is because is that person is, is a person who will have some agreement with you. That when you ask, do you believe God's able to do this? They're not going to be like, well, I don't know. They're already on their face saying, I believe God. I came up here because I believe God. And your Bible says if you can get any two to agree on earth. So God's in agreement. I'm in agreement with God, but I need two on earth. So if I find somebody who looks like they're ready to agree with me for their healing, he said, I'm going to move on their behalf. Anything you ask me, I'm going to do it. Boom, you get that miracle happen, that healing manifested right then and there. Now you, okay, we can get something started here. Because now what it does, it'll help build faith in everybody else in the group, in the line. 
You just lay hands on them and all of a sudden, oh, they, oh my God, I couldn't move my back earlier. Oh my Lord, I can look what I can do. Oh my God, praise God. Ah, praise your Lord. Y'all got it? In Acts chapter 14, put Acts 14, verse 8 through 10 on the screen for me, please. Acts 14, verse 8 through 10. Because faith is going to show in actions, it's going to show in your countenance. It says, and in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a crippled from his mother's womb who had never walked. Wow. Paul's just preaching. And he's, here's a guy in the crowd, crippled, no strength, never walked. Never walked. Verse 9. Verse 9. This man heard Paul speaking. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. We don't know exactly what Paul's preaching, but I guarantee he's preaching faith. He is not preaching doubt. He's not preaching unbelief. He's not preaching barely getting by. He's not pre pre uh, preaching just hold on to your chains, come. He ain't preaching that. He's preaching faith. He's preaching about what God can do, what Jesus Christ has already done for us. He's preaching something, faith. And the Bible says, while he, Paul is speaking, and Paul observing him, this man intently. Paul's like, checking this guy out. And seeing that he had faith to be healed. Seeing that he had faith. How did he see faith? I thought faith was on the inside. Something this man was doing is like, trying to scoot something like I'm He's making some kind of movement, some kind of gesture, like his eyes, maybe he's blinking fast, like, oh, 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 I believe it. I believe it. He's doing something that indicates to Paul that he has faith to be healed. Oh, my God. He heard Paul speaking. There's power when you preach and teach faith. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, keep going please, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. Notice what Paul, Paul didn't pray for him. That man had faith to be healed and Paul takes dominion over his body and says stand up straight on on your feet. This man is a cripple. This man couldn't walk. He had no strength. And Paul said, I don't care nothing about all that. Faith doesn't care nothing about all that. Faith doesn't care about how bad your condition is. Faith doesn't care how long it's been. Faith, it doesn't matter faith that you never walk. All faith says is stand up straight on your feet. And the Bible says, and he leaped and walked. He didn't just stand up. He leaped, the Bible says. And walk. Why? Source, transmitter, receiver tuned in. Source, transmitter, and the receiver tuned in. And when he heard that, now listen, this is very important too. Thank you, Lord, I'll say that. That this is part to a degree of a working of miracles that Paul didn't have to do anything, but the man had to work it. Notice he told him, stand up straight on your feet. So the man had to do it himself. That meant the man had to put reasoning aside, had to forget about his condition. I can't do that. I can't stand on my feet. I've never done that. No, his faith says, his faith is already there. His faith says, okay, whatever this man says, I'm going to do it. And the moment, the, see, if he hadn't made a movement, the power would not have flowed. 
if he, it would have disconnected, it would just stop right there. But the moment he heard Paul say that with a loud mega voice, <laughs> he leaped up, he leaped, and he walked. Y'all got this here. Paul saw his faith. Give me one more. Mark 2. Mark 2, 1 through 5 real quick. Mark 2, 1 through 5. Jesus is in his new ministry headquarters. You know, he's raising Nazareth, but he moved to uh, Capernaum. It says, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. They heard Jesus Christ is in the house. He's in the house. Verse 2. Verse 2. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. May it be so in our day. That so many gather together, there's no longer room. What about social distancing? We'll have to open the windows. Stand outside just so you can hear. Take it outside to a tent so you can get all the people in there that you can. And he preached the word to them. Remember Paul was preaching? He preached the word to them because faith comes by hearing and hearing. comes by the word of God. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. Then they came to him, They, these four men, came to him, bringing a paralytic, paralyzed man, who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they, these men of faith, uncovered the roof where he was and tore a hole in that roof. Faith is inconsiderate. Faith didn't even think about, man, this is terrible. It's not a roof, man. This ain't our house, man. What are you going to do, man? See, when you, when you, the question is, how bad do you want it? We, <laughs> whatever it takes to get my deliverance, my healing, my breakthrough, my manifestation. These men tore open the roof so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Now watch verse 5. Here it is. When Jesus saw their faith. Now faith, how do you see faith? It's faith is true. It's the actions. When he saw their faith actions. When he saw their faith actions. So faith always has actions to it. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, I'll stop there just for, just for, for time's sake. He says, your, your, your sins are forgiven you. So he dealt right with the issue. The issue, your sins are forgiven. Got it? On the, just for this section, I just want to make, make it clear. He saw their faith. So when you're ministering in a group, look for faith. Yeah, look for faith. Look for somebody who's, who's ready to receive. Not just, well, because you don't need nobody talking about, you know, well, I'm not sure. I want to tell you what. You go sit down until you're sure. Until you're ready to receive. Praise the Lord. All right? Now, so look for faith. Now, in the issue that you're dealing with the unsaved, you're ministering to the unsaved, because you will minister to the, un to the unsaved. Jesus did it his whole ministry. He ministered to the unsaved. Write this down. God heals heathens. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, that's good news. 
God heals heathens. God heals heathens. Now that's important for all of us sanctified Holy Ghost filled folk to know that God heals heathens. Because you and I have to be sure, be careful that we don't let someone's uh, status, soul status, keep us from ministering to them. God heals heathens. Got it? All right, now, so we know that. We believe that. So how do I, when I'm ministering to heathens, that's the unsaved person, how do I minister to them? Okay, don't start teaching them. Don't start teaching, teaching heathens doctrine. Well, you know, Jesus, you know, you got I believe in the Trinity versus, you know, this uh, oneness of God and uh, you get into all this, you know, different things about, you know, uh, are you a premillennial? Are you a uh, mid-trib? Mid are you post-trib? And, you know, we're going to discuss angelology and demonology and, you know, when you died, did you become an angel and all that kind of, you don't know, no, wait a minute, what are you doing? They need to be healed. When all the heathens came to Jesus Christ, he'd ask them something like, what do you want me to do? He didn't ask him, he didn't ask him, well, do you, do you love God? Y'all better listen to me. He didn't say, do you love God? No. What do you want me to do? Do you want to be made whole? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't ask them, did they go to Sunday school and did they eat, you know, an apple a day and drink eight glasses of water? He didn't ask them about all that. When the last time you sinned, who sinned you or your father? He didn't ask them that stuff. That's what the religious people asked. Who sinned him or his father? That wasn't Jesus' concern. Your job when people come to you or you go to someone and they're a heathen, you know they're unsaved, is just simply let them know that Jesus Christ loves them and wants to heal them. So when you meet somebody in the store and they're, they're you know, you don't know whether they're saved or not, but let's assume you know that they're not saved and they got an issue, you just, uh, just say, hey, you know what, Jesus loves you. He wants to heal you. Jesus loves you. He wants to heal you. That's a very simple phrase. Jesus loves you and he wants to heal you. Would, then, then you got to say something like, would you mind if I prayed for you? Because you can't go in with a heathen like, oh, I command you in Jesus' name to come out of that man. You can't do that with no heathen. You got to approach them with compassion and a little tenderness and a little kindness. You, you need to get them to uh, trust you, allow you to minister to them. So you got to approach them a little bit different than you would if you got a whole, you know, 30 believers sitting up here in front of a church. Believers, you can walk by and say, be healed, be healed, be healed. You can just knock them out. Be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. But you dealing with unbelieving you in the middle of Publix, you ain't trying to knock nobody out. You ain't no catches nowhere. You're going to get a lawsuit. You can't do that. You got to hit them and catch them, hit them and catch them, hit them and you can't do that. 
it's a little different approach. And I'm saying it because God's raised us up to go out, to go out, to go out. They won't all come in until we go out. Jesus said, go out into the hedges and highways and compel them to come. Go out and compel them to come. Go out and draw them in, compel them like, hey, you, you really want to come here. But what will compel them? They experience the love of Jesus, then the power of Jesus. So what we need to do is simply be compassionate and allow the anointing to flow through us. Be compassionate and allow Allow the anointing to flow through you. We just read in Mark 2 and verse 1 about that man who Jesus forgave his sins. You go down to, and you keep reading in that, give me verse um, 11. I think Mark 2 verse, let's look at verse, let's try verse 11. Mark 2 verse 11. In fact, let's, let's go back. Go back maybe verse 9, where they get into the whole predicament. He said, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. Because they made a big deal about him saying, your, your sins are forgiven. He says, okay, well, what's the big deal? Which one is easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven, or should I say, arise, take up your bed and walk? Verse 10, verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, verse 11, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Verse 12, please, verse 12. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, went out of the, pre out of the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. A heathen got, got healed. Jesus showed compassion. Told him, your sins are forgiven. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, last thing tonight. Last thing. This is going to be very powerful for every one of us, whether you're in a church setting, a small group setting, but especially when you're out in the world, is to share your personal testimony. This is especially when you're in the world, is share your personal testimony. Why is that, Pastor? Because heathens, sinners, don't relate to the Bible. Bible stories don't mean anything to them. You can't tell, be talking to a heathen, hey, there was this woman with the issue of blood, and she went up in a crowd, and she touched the, Jesus' zizits on his, him because she knew the prophetic word about how the son of righteousness would rise with healing in his wings. And so she reached out and touched the zizits on his, on his, on his, on his garment and, and virtue flowed out of him. And she felt immediately that her blood, found of her blood was dried up. And she was made whole. He's not going to get that. What? What? No. No. You got to say something like, you know, back uh, last year, I was dealing with a sinus infection that was so bad. See, they can relate to your sinus infection. They can relate to when you uh, uh, tripped, stumbled over your shoe and, and pulled a muscle in your hamstring or something like that. They can, they can relate to that. 
They can relate to your story about how, how the doctor had diagnosed, diagnosed you with cancer. They can relate to that. They, they can relate to especially if you say, oh, yeah, you know, I used to smoke too. And, man, I, I had all this kind of stuff and, and, you know, emphysema and all these different things. And God, God supernaturally touched my body, healed my lungs, and God delivered me from all that stuff. But he also healed my body. And now I don't have any kind of breathing problems. And when you tell that, when you can say things like that, they can say, oh, oh. I mean, it's the same way as you giving a salvation testimony. You talking about how, you know, this man named Saul, he used to stone the people in the church, and one day he was on the road to Damascus, and a light shined from heaven, and it fell off his beast, and he heard the voice of the Lord said, you, you know, you are persecuting me, and so forth, and he got, you know, scared. He, they don't, they, they can't write it that. Well, you can say, you know what, I used to, I used to drink, you know, a 12-pack a day, man. I used to be a, a real mess. I used to be Slipping and tipping and tripping and dipping, and I used to be doing some stuff, man. And I mean, locked up 20 times, looking at 21 years in the penitentiary, you know, stuff like that. You hear those kind of things, and you know, but God delivered me one day, and man, and I, I'm, I mean, I've never been the same, and God's really changed. When you say that, your personal testimony, they can relate to your personal testimony. So you need to have in your mind. Something God has healed you of. That's why you got to practice healing on yourself. I'm sitting there today and I'm studying, and that's where I finished studying. All of a sudden, I feel all of a sudden this, this sinus pain hit my eye. Y'all know what the sinus is, that, that cavity back there? And I felt this thing and I was like, oh my gosh, Lord have mercy. And you, that, you know that spot, that sinus spot. And I was thinking, oh, they got some sinus stuff in the cabin. Let me go. And I said, wait a minute. No, I'm not. I'm teaching on healing. What am I doing? No. But that would have been so simple. I said, no, let me, let me practice what I'm preaching like I normally do. <laughs> and boom, it was a matter of probably 20 minutes. Like, oh, okay, we're going. Praise the Lord. I mean, I didn't sweat it out, didn't worry about it. Oh, God, I need you to heal my, my hair. And I said, pain, I command you to go right now. Pressure, I command you to dissipate right now. In the name of Jesus, I receive my healing. I'm done. You got it? So that just builds my personal testimony portfolio. I remember, I remember when I was suffering or dealing with sciatica. See somebody, they struggling to walk. They walking through Walmart, just barely getting around. You say, man, hey, you know, I remember years ago, I was dealing with that sciatica. I mean, I, could, I had so much pain and everything. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I simply just asked God to heal me, and he healed my body. You did? Yeah. Well, what did the doctor say? I never went to the doctor. I just, I just really just... I asked God, no, no, ma'am, ma'am, seriously, I just asked God to heal me, and God healed my body. For real? Yeah. He'll do the same. God will heal you. Would you mind if I pray for you? You think it'll work? Oh, I know it'll work. Come on, help me out. Oh, I know it'll work. Are you sure? I'm 100% positive. I know it'll work. Then you don't have to be there in the middle of Walmart to check out line. Oh, I command you. And you just, no. They say, hey, when you pay for your groceries, uh, just 
Can we just step out? Somebody, I just pray for you. Just something simple. Oh, if you're still in the aisle, just I just if you don't mind, can I can I touch you? Is that okay? If they say no, 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 don't touch me. It's COVID. I say no problem. Just just can I just pray for you? And just in Jesus' name, I command you pray, Lord. I thank you that you hear my prayer. Now you want to pray things like that, like Jesus did when Jesus was at at Lazarus's grave. He prayed out loud and say some things. He says, I already know you hear me, but I'm praying like this so they can hear me. This for their sake. John chapter 11, right? You read it, he talks about that. This for their sake. So there are my things you might be praying. Father, I just thank you that you love everybody. So you're, you're, you're dropping seed. You love everybody, and Jesus Christ died for everybody's sins, and you're so quick to forgive us, and you love us in spite of all that we've ever done wrong. I thank you for that, Father. And when Jesus Christ went to that cross, he even took upon himself all the pains of our punishment, and he, by, uh, with his stripes, your word says we are healed. So thank you, Father, now. And even even as, I, as I pray for, uh, for, for Miss, Miss Sarah right now, I believe that, Lord, she'll be healed. So in Jesus' name, I speak right now to that pain in your, in your physical body. I speak right now to that to that sciatica I speak right now to that back pain and I command that back pain to go I command those muscles to straighten out I command that spine to straighten out in Jesus name I command you Sarah be healed in Jesus name hallelujah we receive it amen and amen well Sarah have a good day God bless you listen you're gonna be healed you, you you're gonna feel it as you go you'll, you'll feel it she, she might say what I, I feel I feel better right now praise the Lord Praise the Lord. But if she doesn't say that, just say praise God. You're, it's going to get better every day. What you've done, you've just planted a seed of progress in her. You planted in her a seed of progress. So she'll, she's going to get up every day expecting progress. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Even, even if it's 2% better the next day. It's not as bad as it was. Praise the Lord. Well, she get she get two percent increase. She's now now the next day gonna expect ten percent increase, right? Doesn't, doesn't your Bible says experience brings hope? Y'all don't know your Bible. Doesn't your Bible say experience brings hope? So if she experiences a two percent increase, she's not gonna hope for another ten percent increase. Well, that guy said it was gonna get better, and it did get better. Praise, okay. This is, how, this is how you do it. This is God's dinner bell to get people who are unsaved into the kingdom of God. So we got to minister that way all the time. Amen. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, that if you have the testimony of Jesus Christ, you have the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you have a testimony of what Jesus has done for you. That your testimony prophesies to someone else. That's why when people are doing healing lines, you'll hear them you know, many times. Let me just share a quick testimony. I remember, boy, in 1985, I was dealing with, you know, so and so. Doctors said, I, you know, I deal with this the rest of my life. And man, God healed my body or whatever. And all he's doing is she's doing is taking time just to get people stirred up by the testimony. It's prophesying their future to them. Okay? Now, last thing, last thing for this whole meeting. And I didn't, this, this came to me well after I printed everything and prepared everything, but it's something else that came to me that uh, my spiritual father, Apostle Derber, uh, 
taught me, and it came back to me, and I don't want you to, to miss it, is write this down. Do not hesitate. Hesitation will stifle the anointing. Hesitation will stifle the anointing. What does that mean? That means the moment you sense God speaking something, telling you to speak something, telling you to do something, move on it. There's, a, there's a, a phrase I use in my house, around my household, the power of now. <laughs> you ever, you ever uh, been meaning to put something in the car? And you said, I'll put it in the car in a few minutes because you had to take it, you had to bring it to somebody at church on Sunday. And then you, oh, I forgot I left it. I thought about it too. I said I was going to put it in the car. And I, got, I, I drove right off and got to put it in the car. Why? Because you didn't do it the moment you thought about it. The power of now. So the same thing happens to the anointing. When you get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, you get a discerning of the spirit, you get tongues, a prophecy, an interpretation of tongues, or a prophetic word, or an unction to move in the gifts of healings, or the working of miracles, or supernatural faith. When that comes, you got to move in the moment. Move in the moment. Move in the moment. Because if you hesitate, it'll stifle the anointing. For me, I've learned this ever since I heard, heard uh, Dad talking about this, is when, when, I, when I sense God moving something, uh, saying something, I, many times I, 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 my hesitation is not that I'm scared to move now, it's I'm making sure. I'm making sure, God, is that you? Is that you? Okay, all right. If it's you, then, and most times when it's him, it sounds so crazy. It seems so crazy. I'm like, oh, shucks, okay, all right. The Lord said, you know, one of the most recent times that happened uh, here in our services anyway was that day I heard the Lord say uh, somebody's dealing with a liver, a major liver issue. Liver issue? I'm not even, I mean, Pastor Kim is doing something. I'm like, liver issue. All of a sudden, here comes uh, one of the ladies, Michelle or whatever, and here's what she's dealing with. Well, hesitation will stifle that. So, when you're moving in the things of the spirit, you cannot hesitate. Move and God says move. That's one of the things that even when, when, you know, around our church, we're used to having now catchers. Be ready. I mean, it's the moment you, you even look like the speaker, whoever's up, is about to move in something. Catchers got to get up there and be ready because you can't, he can't wait on you. To, okay, I need 12 catchers up here. What y'all doing? If he waits, it's going to stifle the anointing. It's going to slow things down. So you got to move when you sense an unction of the Holy Spirit. Somebody could be sitting in your chair, Chris, and you sense the Lord telling you to say something. You can't be like, mm, I'll tell him next, you know, next time. You got to say it right, right then. It's, it's a, it's a uh, kairos moment. It's a kairos moment. You got to say it right then. You got to move right then. God is moving right then without hesitation. Because the longer you, you wait, your reasoning will jump in. Your soul, with the help of Satan, will talk you out of it. Every single time. And you will have missed the moment of someone's breakthrough, someone's deliverance, someone's manifestation. Okay? 
So it's very important that, that we remember that as we flow, whether you're in the sanctuary, uh, whether you're in your small group, whether you're in Publix or anywhere in, in public, uh, you have to just move in the moment. Move in the moment and let, just let the anointing flow. Notice we, that last point I gave you about uh, having compassion and allow the anointing to flow. You don't need to make the anointing flow. You have to allow the anointing, the anointing to flow. The anointing is already in you. It, it's waiting on some place to come out. So you have to allow the anointing to flow through you and uh, you will see people supernaturally touched, healed, delivered, and set free. Amen. 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 And amen. Did everybody get all that? Yes. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just, just close our eyes and let's just pray for a moment. Rende bebe kitata la la basha tata la makosia. Mabraston de kerele bete koramba baraston de lebesia. So rende ke nde de de ko shakata porrestende. Uramba baba kasa tata la bashonde de de lebekia. Rombo doro koshita la la basi tata la la basata. Morembe breste nde ke che kere boko rabasata. Rede de 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 boko sandala la bakita. Somebody's watching and experiencing severe soreness in your neck. I'm seeing the right side of your neck. You're experiencing severe soreness. I command that neck to be whole. I command those muscles to relax, that tissue to be whole. I command you, neck, be healed now in the name of Jesus. Oh, somebody's, somebody's dealing with a, a, wow, a UTI, a urinary tract infection. Whoever you are, I command that infection to cease right now. Fever be broken over your life right now. I command you health, health, uh, healthy and healed and whole in the name of Jesus. Kora babrastata. Rebe baba kitara la bashondre mabre shtondo. Remba bakasa tatara basha tatara morestete. Buremba brastonke de de bekita la basha tatara mashata. Remba brastoke de abashi tatara la basonde. Remba de abashi tatara la basa tatara mokure de de bekeshete. Remba de bakasa tatara basonde ke de de beshita. Oh my masika ya basonde la de bekita la bashata. <laughs> yeah, even a soreness in the eyes, or just a soreness in the eyes. It might be sinus pressure. It could be more than that uh, from, from blood pressure. Whatever it is, I command that issue to be resolved now in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Wherever you are, be healed. Be healed. Be healed. I command sinus pressure to go. In the name of Jesus, I command blood pressure to go back down and return to normal. In the name of Jesus. Now. Karabashata la bashata. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Everybody in here doing all right? You're in here, you're doing all right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Walking pain-free. Sitting pain-free. Everybody's good. Hallelujah. Because you're surrounded by a whole bunch of people who know how to minister. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you who are online, if you have received some sort of manifestation of healing, even though we were teaching on how for you to minister it, if you received some, some sort of manifestation last night or Tonight, uh, make sure you let us know. Go on our contact page on our website and let us know. Give us a praise report. If you have the app, you can give a praise report through the app, whatever means you want to use. And uh, let us celebrate with you and let us know that uh, God has touched your body and delivered you. I pray that everyone has received what the Lord has given us these last two nights so that you are prepared to go out ministering. God needs an army army of people ready to minister. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that everything is being shaken. It's being shaken. This, that includes the medical system. It's being shaken. It's being shaken. People are putting their trust in Dr. Fauci. And he's saying this coronavirus will never go away. Said so we'll never be able to deal with it in fullness. <laughs> so you can't put your trust in them, that system. But there's a fail-proof system. And it's the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary's cross that will bring healing to any and everybody who will reach out by faith and um, lay hold of it in Jesus' name. Amen. So be on the lookout, again, for um, instructions as we go forward with the healing teams, because we're ready. We're ready. Street teams, ready to go. 
Praise God. God will give us direction and wisdom and the open doors for us to go out ministering to bring assistance, salvation, and healing to people. And um, we want to be a part of that mass unit. Amen? Praise God. Now listen, we're coming back on Sunday. I'm talking to everybody online as well. Sunday we resume all of our in-person services. We've, we've had the last two Wednesdays off and the last Sunday off. Uh, well, we weren't off. We were ministering still, but we weren't together as a group. And we didn't have Tuesday or Wednesday prayer as well. And so everything resumes starting Sunday. Okay? Now, again, uh, we're complying as much as possible with uh, the county uh, directive as far as uh, masking if people can't socially distance. So that's why we want to make sure we can socially distance as much as, much as possible. They say you don't need one when you're singing. So uh, sing <laughs> with, with the praise team. Sing. Sing in the spirit. Sing. And um, again, they've changed now. The If you've been had any symptoms uh, after your first symptom day, 10 days later, you're okay. You're off quarantine. They've reduced it. The CDC has reduced it. So 10 days is what they say now. You've also uh, had no fever for 24 hours without medicine, without something helping you. Uh, no fever. You're good to go. Now, so our church always is cleaned always sprayed down, sanitized, and all that kind of good stuff. We have a team that, that they, when they uh, serve on uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, cleaning the church, everything is always cleaned up. Uh, but we're, this coming Saturday, uh, I believe, our church will be professionally sanitized by a company on Saturday. Uh, what's the name of the company? Avid Co., I think. Avid, I think A-V-I-D-C-O. Uh, Avid Co. Um, they're going to be professionally sanitizing the entire building on Saturday. Uh, you're going to be safe. This is a sanctuary. If anybody, if you came down with COVID, you didn't come down with it here. It's a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary. This is a, an anointed sanctuary. It's an anointed sanctuary. We don't play games here. It's an anointed sanctuary. So you're not catching anything here, and you won't catch anything here. But we also don't want you to bring it here. So, again, if you're continuing to have these symptoms, we do have our prayer line, 727-893-8888 or prayer at exceedinggrace.cc, and our prayer counselors will pray for you. You call the elders of the church. They will pray for you, pray over you. But we want you back as soon as possible. I've gotten so many great reports on people who they had uh, been hit by symptoms, and now they're all free. They're, they, they, they've tested negative and their bodies are fine. Everybody's perfect and whole. Uh, we look forward to seeing everybody back together again uh, in church on Sunday. I'm a happy pastor uh, because we are a victorious people. Amen? So we look forward to seeing everybody together on Sunday. Prayer begins right at 10 o'clock a.m. And then service begins promptly at 1030 a.m. Amen? Amen? Father, thank you again for this time, these two nights. Thank you for your precious people. As we go out, thank you that, Lord, you will work with us, Synergio, putting your energy, your anointing together with us, with ours, confirming the word with signs following. We shall go out and we will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We will cast out devils. We will raise the dead. We will cleanse the lepers. We will do the things that you've called us to do, Father, so that the name of Jesus 
can be glorified on all the earth. So for these things, we continue to give you praise. We'll continue to give you honor and give you all the glory. It's in Jesus' matchless name that we do pray. And everybody agreed, said amen. amen and amen. God bless you. Have a good night in the Lord.